We're starting a new sermon series today called Christian Living. And uh, it's appropriate and it's good for us in this season of life to really just focus in on Jesus, what he said about it. And so this whole sermon series is going to be pulled from the Sermon on the Mount. Let me pray. God, I just pray that you would be here in this moment, in this place. I pray that you would birth in us a perspective that is akin to yours, that we would take our expectations and place them into your hands, and that, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts and shape us and challenge us and grow us and and teach us so that we could become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a reminder again, uh, join Slack, promisechurch.community, get connected, join Slack, because you're going to need it in this message. and, uh, and that's going to be great. So, as I said, this is a, a, a new sermon series. We've not, we, we just started one. We're going to go four weeks in this, and then we're going to have our forum. And, and we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes. I know it's been done so many times. But, you know, when I took a whole course in seminary on the Beatitudes, we actually discovered that these two chapters of, three, three chapters of Scripture, five to seven in Matthew, are the most written about passage of historic literature in human history. There is so much to be said about this that a sermon series will just, just, scrape, this, just scrape just the top level of it. The Holy Spirit, through Jesus and the author of Matthew, has packed so much into this sermon that, that the church has been guided and directed by it for over 2,000 years. And so, Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount, according to Matthew, Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. It's fitting for a God who never denies today and always faithfully promises tomorrow to start with the Beatitudes. God offers hope. God offers hope. Hope. No matter how hard things get in the world around us, God offers hope. And I, and I see that because I'm looking at the formula of these first verses of the sermon. Three to, verses 3 to 12. It says, blessed are people in a current state. And you notice that none of the states are really type of places that you really feel like you want to be. You know, you should be there, but you feel like you, oh man, that's rough. We're going to get into that. So blessed are these people, for they will be placed in this future state. Blessed are you when you're like this, because something better is coming. That's the formula we get. Let's see if you hear it as we read the passage together. But as you're doing it, I'm going to ask you this question. Out of these lists... On Slack, what character trait best describes you? Listen for yourself in this. Listen for where you land in this. And put it into Slack. We'd love to hear from you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Start off really strong there, eh? It's your current state. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the 
meek. You know, meekness wasn't a compliment at that time. It's become a compliment because of this sermon. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. Once again, that is not a noble trait to have. If you were, if you were merciful, it's often because you didn't, have the, you didn't have the strength to execute the type of justice that was deserved. And so you were merciful. You're like, oh, and it was seen as weakness. But not by Jesus. They will receive mercy, which is what we all need. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Persecuted. We have no idea what that feels like. I don't care what your Facebook account says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or of heaven, actually. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. What? Falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what do you guys think? What character trait in that describes you. Are you genuinely persecuted? Are, are you pure in heart? Are you merciful? Are you meek? Is your place a place of mourning right now? Are you poor in spirit? Has Jesus isolated your current reality? Is there, is there a place where you're like, oh, that's, that's where I am? Someone says, Blessed are the, are the pacemakers. Nice. We have somebody in our congregation that has a pacemaker. I agree. Someone said I'm scared to answer because I don't want to call myself blessed. I guess that makes me meek. Well said. Persecution's good because it takes our eyes off earthly things and strengthens our faith. And I don't say it lightly. Persecution brings great heartache in our life. Have you done something that makes it worthwhile for you to be persecuted? Have you stepped in love of God that makes people go like, what did you just do? Interesting. See, some of us have a short-sightedness in the, in the scope of a long hope. The, the payoff of the current conditions of life are a long way away. What it means is, is many of us struggle and we're, and, we're, and we're going through life and we're challenged by it. There, there are things in our life that are just plain hard. Some of you, your bosses, are just plain hard to deal with. Some of you are the boss that's just plain hard to deal with. And, and, and we have this piece where we're just like, Okay, life is a slog, there's hardness, there's, there's challenges we have, and this parecope is for you because, because it's like, I know there's challenges. Jesus acknowledges our reality, and he pushes us forward to a future hope. See, I can tell you how to get what you want faster than Jesus' way. The whole culture, our whole culture tries to shortcut and get us to this ideal place. 
faster than Jesus' way would. I think in Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted. Remember, Jesus' mission when he came onto earth was, was to become Lord of earth. That was done through his death and resurrection. God has made him Lord and Christ, Acts chapter 2. But in Matthew 4, that's his, that's his place. And, and Satan tempts him and says, I will give you all of this. I can shortcut your mission. I can get you to the end. All you have to do is just worship me. Our self-help work, our, our progression towards how do we get this faster, better, easier, sometimes ignores where God has put us. He's put us in a struggle. He's put us in a place that requires hardship. Someone wrote in Slack that parecope means section. I apologize. Um, so, let's take a look at what happens when we're short-sighted and we try to shortcut what God does. Today, I'm going to speak a little bit about cultural values and the promises of God and watch how it's our responsibility to change our ways and turn to God. The short-sightedness of today's culture is everywhere. It's everywhere, and it looks like this. You deserve better. If it's not working for you, cut it out, get rid of it, and get what you want. If your spouse isn't working for you anymore, ditch them. Find a new one. Our culture says that, that you should be fulfilled in spirit. If I'm fulfilled in spirit, then I have everything that I want. My desires should be satiated. I, I should be satisfied with all I have. And the lie of the world says I can give it to you. I can get you there. I can make you feel fully, fully satiated, fully fulfilled. In fact, you should be there. Fight to get what you deserve. Our entire lives can be spent attempting to fulfill, to be fulfilled in spirit, satisfied or happy. We just want to be happy. The pursuit of happiness. That's what God wants for us, right? Just the quickest, shortest, easiest way to happiness. And this passage doesn't seem to reflect that. How do we get to happiness? How do we get there? How do we organize our life about being fulfilled in spirit? I mean, that would make a really good self-help book, but not a good sermon. Jesus hits back with our reality, and he says, here's a promise in the future. So... Someone said on Slack, I think God blesses me in spite of the fact that I don't get many of those things right by his grace, like I'm a crummy peacekeeper. And, and God does do that. But some of us, some of us are saying, okay, there's a struggle here, right? So how does the expectation of comfort impact your spiritual life? Think about that for a minute while I continue to talk. How does the expectation of comfort and being fulfilled, I want to hear from you, how does that affect your spiritual life? How, do, how does it affect you? Don't be deceived. The goal of your life isn't about how satisfied you feel right now in your job or in your finances or in your relationships or with your stuff. 
That's not the goal of the Christian life. The goal of your Christian life isn't that you get more stuff or you make more money or that you're more, more satisfied in whatever you have. Many Christians I know think the most important thing in life is for us to be happy and satisfied, but being happy is not a solid Christian goal. <laughs> the joy is different. The way culture pursues and defines happiness is what I'm talking about. That is not the unifying goal, goal of Christ, and we see it right here in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For you will be, absolutely. But right now, this is your reality. You're poor in spirit. You mourn. You're a peacemaker. You're, you're, you're bringing tensions into unity. You're navigating division. Isn't that our reality in families? Isn't that our reality in, in our day-to-day -day life? We're navigating division, bringing people to unity. So some have said that Jesus is showing that God loves the people who have it hard as well. But I think Jesus is showing us that we will have it hard. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. You will have it hard. There is something challenging here, and it's not just going to go away because you believe in Jesus. He ties us to a hope. He says, I'm coming, and I'm making all things right. Hold on. You're blessed because you will inherit the kingdom of God. You're blessed because you will get there. All of the struggle that you go through is real. It's going to get you to a place that God wants you to be. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. Have you been there? You've had a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy? The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen. You're made for another world. You're made for the fulfillment of the kingdom of God and the person of Jesus Christ to be lived out globally. That's what you're made for. What we live in is the not yet. We're not there yet. There's struggle, there's trial, there's persecution. And I don't think the church has done a good enough job of reminding us that this reality is what Jesus embraces right at the beginning. And he goes, it's going to a good place. C.S. Lewis continues, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country. It's not Canada, guys. Thank God it's not America. <laughs> Which I shall find not till after death. I must never let my desire for my true country get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to the other country and help others do the same. And that's from Mere Christianity. If you haven't read Mere Christianity, I encourage you to read it. It's an excellent book. So how does the expectation of comfort impact your spiritual life? Someone said, amen, being happy is not a solid, a solid Christian goal. Someone else says, my unfortunate initial reaction is to say, if God isn't working for me, I should just try something else. And yet God says, blessed are you when you sit in this and you hold on to the future hope. 
The goal of the Christian life to me is to further God's plan and kingdom. When Jesus was on earth, it wasn't easy and happy for him always. Absolutely. He was constantly tempted, challenged, and eventually killed. So why should we expect we get a free ride? Wow. This is why we have slack. Someone's bringing it. Anyone who has had kids expecting comfort is absolutely deluded. Sorry, Chris and Rebecca. <laughs> is there something wrong with the feeling a sense of contentment then? Should I feel guilty about the fact that I'm not properly listening to the way that God might be challenging me? Excellent question. There are seasons of contentment and rest, but what do we rest in? What do we rest in? What do you rest? Do you rest around Facebook? Do you rest around TikTok? I hope not. That's not restful at all. Or do you rest in the faithful knowledge that Jesus, who began a good work in you, is going to complete it in you, even into the day of Christ? What do you rest in? Do you feel just comfortable ignoring your spiritual reality, ignoring your true country? Do you rest and distract yourself with the things of this world? Or do you rest in the knowledge, the unshakable faith that God's not done yet? And you rest in that. Great question. Thank you so much. What, a, what an addition to the message. Someone said, what's wrong with America? Really good question. Let's write a book. What's wrong with Canada? Really good question. Let's write another book. <laughs> My comfort sometimes prevents me from following the things that God wants me to do. For example, tithing. Giving up that much of my income is so uncomfortable, especially because I don't have a lot in the first place. Or God tells me to reach out and join with people more fully, but my social anxiety makes it so uncomfortable to start conversations and I freeze with what to say. But I know that if I overcome these discomforts, that I'm going to be even more blessed. God, give us strength. God, give us strength. If I expect comfort, I'm telling myself that I am okay where I am, not wanting to grow or be challenged, not my goal for myself and my spiritual life. I want to always push forward and move closer to him. Shoot, this is so good. You're not supposed to feel fulfilled here. In fact, if you're constantly feeling fulfilled, you might not be keeping yourself alive in your hope for the future country, for your true country. We get too at ease with, I, I get too at ease with the way things are. I acclimate too much. Do you? I think six or seven years ago, I was praying and I was walking the streets of Bradford and looking at all the cut grass and the nice house. We live in castles, people. Look at, the, look at housing situations 500 years ago. Oh my goodness, we're so blessed materially. I'm walking around going like, what's wrong with this country? I can't see anything wrong. This is like a, a glimpse of heaven. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And then the pandemic righted those assumptions. But here we see that Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You're not supposed to feel fully fulfilled here. You have a passion towards a future that's full of God's idea. Someone on Slack just said, our expectations should be, apart from me, you could do nothing. 
of enduring value. John 15, 5. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay, so last slack question. List something specifically wrong in the world around us. This should get fun. This isn't a complaining session. This is actually identifying the differences between the world as we experience it now and the world when Jesus makes it all right. So what's something that you see that doesn't line up? What's something that causes you just a sense of holy discontent, if I'm allowed to use that title of a book? What creates that discontent in you? What do you see in this world that's like, oh. <laughs> Someone starts off with TikTok. <laughs> Which is actually a bigger symptom of how broken communities are. TikTok shows us how broken communities are. And in that, Christians find the mission of Jesus that says we should be working towards building strong community, strong togetherness. They will know you are my disciples by your love, not by your TikTok account. Lack of compassion, again, touching on this, this healing that God wants to bring. Lack of Bible as authority in general culture. We don't have a foundation upon which to build a unified culture in. Blessed are the poor in spirit whose hearts break over this. Whose hearts break over the lostness of our culture that genuinely doesn't have a direction except for the feeling of gratification right now because that's what they've been taught. We have something greater. We have something greater. Disconnected families, churches fighting other churches inequality, sex trade, oh my goodness. People can't be content, always searching for the next thing. Can't enjoy the now, what God is doing right now. Trying to fulfill materialistic things, substances. Substance abuse, lack of silence. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. And this is going to keep on going. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. I'm going to quickly just touch three major distinctions of those people who are poor in spirit. You see the tension between that which could be what God has promised and that which is. You feel that tension. You know it. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. You see that there's nothing you can do to fix the mess here, but there is a hope for others in Jesus. We can, we can mend. We can show by example, hey, look, this is what community looks like. But then it devolves. We can take these moments and show it. But then it breaks apart. So we can show it, but it's truly Jesus who makes it sustainable and eternal. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You struggle to be fulfilled in the way that your friends seem to be. Have you ever been in a public space with seeing tons of people just having fun, maybe at a, at a Raptors game or at a Blue Jays game? Well, that wasn't fun. Sorry, never mind. And you think, is this it? All these people are here in the stadium. Isn't there something more? Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Someone just said, 
I sometimes doubt the existence of evil, but then I see my dad. <laughs> a little job, it's funny, it's all in the family. If you see who it is, it's fine. You guys are hilarious. Come on. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. All the Beatitudes take our eyes off of our current reality, which I just had you look. I just had you look at the current reality to create some holy discontent. And now the Beatitudes take our eyes off the current reality and place our hope firmly in the work of Jesus. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's what's coming for you. When you see this, when you put your hope in Jesus, yours is the kingdom of heaven. You weren't created for this. Skipping down in my notes. You weren't created for this. You're here on purpose. This life has value because in this life, you set your heart on your true country and you show people, our mission as a church is to foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises. You show people what it looks like because we're rooted in a future country. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. This is where we're going and we're bringing as many people along with us into what the Bible calls shalom, the peace and the fullness of God. That's our mission. That's where we're going. That's what comes out of the Beatitudes today. Let me pray. God, I pray that you would make us poor in spirit, not so that we could be miserable old friars that walked around in the dark ages showing how miserable they were. No, Poor in spirit because we see the tension between that which is and that which you desire. I hear it so often when people just say, this just wasn't right. And your heart leads us towards, but it could be. It will be. We have hope. And so, Jesus, I pray that we, when we look at this culture, would be people of hope, but also people who experience poor spirit, a discontent. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.